Hey, good morning, Faith Life Church. Hey, great to be back again on Sunday morning. How good was AJ and Regina last week? Hey, they were just fantastic. I, I was just encouraged. Pastor Silva was encouraged. So much feedback. And hey, you're going to hear and see more of them. Today, I really believe that we are going to hit another level. I have I've been busting at the bit to share this message and even just getting up early this morning and praying. There's a sense in my spirit that to get ready to go to another level. Let's get ready to where we are is good, but God is taking up. God is taking us up. It's like going up the stairs. You take one step. There's nothing wrong with that step, but there's always another step. And I believe that this morning, God is going to take us to an absolutely new step. So I need you to be ready. I need you to pack your bags. I need to you pack all your stuff. You need to leave some stuff behind, but you need to take some stuff up because we are heading to another level. Our church is heading to another level. Your personal life is heading to another level. Your finances, your relationships, your employment, everything about you is going to hit another level. The, the whole, we're going to do a series, but this week I want to just lay a foundation because everything I'm going to be speaking on after this is going to be upon this. I need you to be listen to this carefully, go over it, I need you in your life groups to talk about it. Um, put as many people onto this as, as you can because I believe it's one of the missing links that is going to propel us into another level. And, and the whole series is called I Still Dare to Believe. I Still Dare to Believe. In the environment that we are in is going to take courage to still believe. It is so easy to believe when the economy is great, when 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 we can go into the car and drive, and we can go to a restaurant, where we can go to church and have somebody lay hands on us, where we can meet together in courage. Hope is kind of, okay, it's great, but to have that same hope as we did before, but not just before, but up to another level. So today, I believe I'm going to give you the keys on I still dare to believe. As was preached last week, I still dare to believe that we are going to go to Rome. It is that spirit that was in Paul that you heard last week that said, yes, we've had a shipwreck. Yes, there was loss. Yes, we had to cling on to what we had, but we are still going. It takes a church. It takes a people. It takes a marriage. It takes a person. It takes a worship leader, a life group leader, an elder to say we are still going. If you're a pastor and you're watching this, I'm here to tell you that you are still going to hit your mark. You're still going to hit your budget. You're still going to have your church grow. You're still going to increase, even though we are in this time. But God is alive and we're going to hit another level. And God gave me this message came out of the book of Lamentations. Now, Normally, when I want to encourage myself, I do not go to the book of Lamentations. It's one of those, it's one of those, do not read it before you go to bed. You will have strange dreams. But when I looked at the word lamentation, before my whole concept about the book of Lamentation was about sorrow, was about grieving. But I looked at the word, the word lamentation means how. 
It doesn't mean how you can sorrow. It doesn't mean how you endure loss. It doesn't mean how you cope or how you survive. The whole word is how. And so when we look at the book of Lamentation, it is a reflection of our times. So what we find in the book of Lamentation is there is loss, there is distress, there is grief, and there is shame. So when we look at chapter 1, we find out that the book of Lamentation has grief in it, has shame in it, and it has sorrow. It is, it is lost. In chapter 2, what we find is that we have judgment, that you feel like you're being judged and everything else is falling apart. It, it means that you lost your prior position. You lost where you were. It was when they were removed from Jerusalem. So what happens is here, the book of Lamentation is describing how people felt when they got taken out of God's will, out of Jerusalem, out of all their promises, they went into captivity. And so you have the book of Lamentation. There is an expression from not the mind, but from within the heart that there is, hey, we are struggling. There is, we have got grief because we've lost something. There is shame is because once we could um, go and receive or buy something and now we are begging. See, the, in the book of Lamentations is you had rich people that could go out and eat and now the shame of begging. And then you also have the fall of God's house. You've got the fall where you can't go to church. So there was the fall. And then in chapter 3 is where we have the suffering servant. It's all about the suffering. It's all about emotional pain. It's all about physical pain. It's all about emotional loss physical loss so the book of lamentation when I when you have a look at it it is like why would you want to read it but here's the key the book of lamentation tells you how you move on the book of lamentation is not just voicing the things that is hurting you, but it's, it's got, it gives you all the keys how you can stop living in the book of lamentation. It tells you how. It, it, it is like this. The Bible says God is compassionate. Now, compassion doesn't make compassion. One part of compassion says this. I know how you feel. I feel the pain with you. I can cry with you. I can... Uh, exchange stories of loss. We can grieve together, but that's one level of compassion. But to fulfill compassion means I know what you're feeling, but I've also come to get you out. Understand the gospel of Christ. Gospel says this, uh, Jesus identified with your sin, Jesus identified with your sorrow. Jesus identified with your grief. But he didn't leave it at the point of identification. He says, I identify with you so that I can move you on. So the book of Lamentation is all about, hey, there is sorrow, yes. There is grief, yes. There is pain. All of that is there, but right in the middle of it, in chapter 3, we are given this. In Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 to 24, in the New Living Translation, says this, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. 
His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I hope in him. He says, I still dare to hope. I still dare. Even in the midst of all of this, I dare to hope. The first part that we need to understand, he says, I first dare to hope. Is this word hope. Now, when we start talking about God, we need to be talking and we need to be listening by the Spirit. But what I mean by that there is Bible language. So when, when we look at some of these things and we go, well, okay, that's what this word means, that's what this word. The, when the word hope is presented, it is a powerful word. It's an amazing word. The Bible tells us that you cannot have faith without hope. The Bible says in um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Bible starts off like this, and it says, I still dare to hope. I still dare to have substance that have a reality check in me that I am moving on. So the first thing we want to do is give you a biblical definition of hope. So when the Bible says, I still dare to have hope, it's not talking about your everyday garden variety bread and butter hope. It's not talking about the hope that is out there, but it's talking about the hope that is in Jesus. Now, first thing we understand that hope Hope is expressed in confidence. So hope is expressed in confidence, not in a future outcome, but in present divine strength. So when the word hope is used, it is expressed in confidence, but it's not a futuristic word. It's not this. I just went for a job interview. I hope I get it. Or, I am driving to the shopping center on Christmas Eve. I hope I get a car park. It, it, it's not something in the future. So when hope is presented, it says, it has the power to change your circumstances now. Now faith is of the substance of things hoped for. So when I hear the word hope, it's not telling me how that day after day after day, I were going to get it. See, We've always had hope. Well, one day this virus is going to stop. One day they're going to find a vaccine. One day we're going to go back to normal. But, but see, hope, he says, I still dare to believe that right now things are going to change for me. Right now things are not going backwards, but they're going forwards. So what we find is that hope is in the future tense not no, sorry, in the present tense, not in the future. So hope doesn't take a promise and moves it to a better day. It doesn't move it to 2028. It moves it to today, right now, this Sunday morning. And also we find when you look at the book of Psalms, hope is decisive because it comes from God. Hope is decisive. So therefore, when we talk about hope, it's decisive. It's not double-minded. There's nothing more frustration taking a person to a restaurant that's undecisive. You, you give them, you, you know, you give them the menu and they go backwards, forwards, back. I remember being with this one time. I, I, I could have, I, I could have taken it to Jesus straight away. Took them out. I am starving. I give it to them, and they start from here and they go, Oh, I want fish. 
No, oh, oh, look, the chicken looks good. Man, hey, the lamb is amazing. Oh, man, I want, I want crab. And then they, you know, they go, have you made up your mind? Oh, no, not yet. So they go right back. Decisive. I love to go to a restaurant with a person that they go, hey, I've already went on, that, on YouTube. I found out what they serve. I know what I want. So faith is number one, is decisive. Why? Because it comes from God. Faith hasn't got a shadow of turning. Faith says, it is yours now. I love you now. You are accepted now. You will reign as with me now. I accept you for, for who you are to take you where I am. So faith means that you're not wavering. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And also, get, now, now this is going to really blow you away. The root word for hope means to twine. It means to take certain things together and twine them up as one. So the Hebrew word hope is the same word that we get pulling together or gathering together. It means to take things that are it, like so many things and put them together as one. So we get this word hope when in Genesis God says he gathered the waters together. So when we find this word of hope, it is so vast, it's not, it is not tiny, it is all-inclusive. You know, um, what's this, this week I posted on, on, on our church post in, um, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. That's the word, you can, you, can, you can hear hope in that. That means every promise is put together in one word, yes, yes, yes. So we get the word hope where God gathers it together. Now watch this, I'm going to use my old school Bible. Here we've got my old school Bible. You know what hope is? God says, I pull everything together. What he does, he gets page one. I'll put this in, page two. And he puts every promise, puts it all in together, twines it and makes it a book. So instead of giving you a page, he gives you a book. And guess, you know, get a load of this. If you wanted to, I want to do this because uh, last time I did something like this, I had a lot of emails. If I rip one page, it's easy to do. It is really easy to rip a page. But I tell you what, you know what you can't do? You can't rip this. Look, I'm really strong. Uh, my, my kids call me Samson. Uh, my wife says, why do I have to watch a Gladiator movie? I've got you. I, I, I mean, look, I am really strong. I can tear a piece of paper. But guess what? When I put all of this together, it can hold my weight. I can stand on it. I can't tear it. So what hope does, it comes back down and says this. When I... I still dare to have hope. I still dare to believe that I have a foundation that can hold me. I still have a foundation that not only holds me, but delivers me. Not only delivers me, but gives me a good future. Not only gives me a good future, but it perpetuated day after day after day after day. So when I say I dare to have hope, I am talking about something that is available to me right now. So we have in the book of Lamentation, all of the people weeping. So if you can imagine you are walking through the streets, somebody is weeping, somebody is begging, somebody is sick, somebody is lamenting. You have have live groups where you talk about everything that you've lost. 
it's just bad, bad news. But he's this man of God, says, I want to show you. He's walking through the streets of lamentation and he's shouting this, how? How? I will show you how you can move. Hey, this is the good news. This is why you're tuning into Faith Life Church. But we are believing what we are believing. So that's why we're in this church. And the book of Lamentations is the book of how. So it goes to somebody that is broken and he says this. Let me show you how you can get over your grief. He goes to somebody that's lost so many things and now they've gone into deep depression. Let me show you how, instead of being depressed, instead of being oppressed, that you can rule and reign. It, it goes up to somebody that's had a bad medical report and says, let me show you how you can go, you can move out. See, this is the beauty with the God says, the good news is preached to the poor. He didn't preach, now get used to being poor, but he came up to the poor and says, you don't have to be in this state anymore. So when, when he's walking through, he says, I still dare to believe. In the midst of this, this person was thriving. This person was moving. And now it says, now, here's the key for, the, for our first one that we're doing this week. I still dare to hope when I remember this. Now, here's the key. He says, when I remember. Now, when I first looked at this, this word remember. Outside of the kingdom, the word remember is that, I don't know if it's, if it's ever happened to you. Somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer. And, and you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, you go, hey, that is it. You know, uh, when was Queen Elizabeth II born? Oh, I don't know. Then you wake up, and I, I still don't know. But it is, it is saying this, that I've lost a piece of paper or I've lost a thought and I found it. So it, it's to, to remember, he goes, you know, it's like, like the common things. I can't remember where I put my keys. I can't remember where I left my phone. And then you go, oh. So we, we got the, the word remember outside of the kingdom means it, it, it's, it's, it's more logical. It, it's more, okay, I can remember a date. Or I can, I, can, I can remember when I was born. I, I can remember what 2 plus 2 is. But the word remember when it's in the Bible is so amazing. This word remember um, is absolutely amazing. The word remember literally means to act. So when we start looking at the word to remember... It is an action word. It, it is the word remember means this part. We're going to expound it and then we're going to use it practically right at the end. The word remember means to engage your physical body, your emotions, your mind, your intellect. It means every about you. It's about says, that you love the Lord the God with all that is in you. So the word remember engages you physically, it engages you mentally, it engages you spiritually, it engages you in your soul, it engages every cell in your body. So to remember is to engage everything about you. So the word remember means total engagement. Now, we're going to unpack this a little bit. So what you find 
when you start to use the word remember, so to understand its meaning, let's look at how God uses the word remember. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, reading out of the NIV says this, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. I want you to get this. God didn't forget about Noah. God didn't go like this. Can, can you imagine? Just, just picture with me, okay? I, with my sense of humor. That God is there and they're having a supper. They're eating. They're having this. This is great. You know, they've got a choir. They've got a light show. It's amazing. And God's just, uh-oh. Guys, stop, 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 stop the, stop the one millionth course. Um, I forgot about Noah. <laughs> can you believe it? Hey, hey, I, I left him in the boat. Excuse me for a second, just, 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 I'll be right back. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that God just all of a sudden entered into him. And says, oh. He says, look at this, and God remembered and acted. So what he did, he says, I remembered Noah and there was an action. It wasn't remember to do an action, but it was when God says remembered, he had to do it with an action. We, we, we'll, that, we'll, we're going to do a lot more of this. So, you know, just need to be staying tuned because when you start to see this through the Bible. And so God remembered Noah and there was an action. And, and we have a look at this in Genesis 9, 15, again out of the NIV. It says, I remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again. The waters become flood to destroy life. Watch this. In Genesis 9.15, God says, Every time that I see a rainbow, I remember my covenant not to act. So you get this? Remembrance is an action. Remembrance is an action. So he says, so, so when now, when you and I see a rainbow, it has so many now, people have taken it, use it for their own gains. But the word rainbow means this, is that when God sees it, he remembers not to act what he did before Noah. So therefore, you know what means this? That you and I never have to worry that the earth is going to be flooded. You, you can go to bed tonight and go, one less thing to worry about. You can nudge your wife or and go, hey, 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 babe, we're going to sleep well today. You know why? Because God said there was not going to be a flood. We're good. We can let the dinghy go. We can put it on eBay. So it's all good. So God says, I remember. Now watch this. A Jewish scholar by the name of Naaman Suana said this. In the Bible, remembering practically on the part of God is that it is not the retention or to recall a mental image, but focusing upon the object of the memory that results in action. So now this is a theologian that studied that, um, the word, and he says remembering is not an act that God looks at an image, but when he says, when I remember, it is an indication of what I will do. It's, it is an action. It is a, it's also a divine act of mercy. It's a divine act. So when I think about remembrance, it is an act of God of mercy. It is merciful. Uh, then we have this. In Genesis 30, 22, it says this. And God remembered Rachel. And her 
and listened to her and enabled her to conceive. So here we have, God says, I remember Rachel. And when he remembered her, now watch this. Before he remembered her, her womb was shut. She could not conceive. She couldn't have a baby. But it says, God remembered her and her womb was open. Here again, we have this action. So God says, Rachel, I remembered you. You came to me. So then he, there was an action. So every time God remembers, there is an action. There's another theologian by the name of um, John um, Golden Gay. And he, this is what he says about this. When God said, said to think about someone or something, this is, it is to act on the behalf of them. So here we have a theologian. Now, this guy is in Fuller. Um, he's one of the top theologians in the States. And he says this, when God remembers something, it is because he wants to act on their behalf. So what we have, when we start to have an action, an action, an action starts to move. So God says this, the reason I dare to hope because I remembered that God acts. I remember that if there is an engagement, if God remembers, he is going to act. And I want to just show you this. In um, David had the same. In um, Psalm 77 verses 9 to 11, again out of the NIV says this. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, this is to, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I remember your mercies long ago. Remember this. I will remember the deeds. And he puts it into there. When, when David said, I have forgotten. See, the word remember is to do an action. The word forget means no action. So, you know, sometimes what we do is we go, I forgot this. But when the word of God talks about the word forget, means you didn't do something. So, when, so the Bible says, don't forget to pray. He's not saying, did you remember to pray? It is, did you forget? You made an action not to do something. So to forget means I don't or I refuse to do an action. The word to remember is I will do an action. So what, what the psalmist was saying, hey God, have you chosen not to act on our behalf? So when David says this, God, have you forgotten? This is, what, this is the context of this. He's saying this, God, have you forgotten to act? Have you not remembered us? Because the word to remember is to act. So he's saying, God, have you refused to act on our behalf? So what we find that is this now, this is where we're going to now, for, for our first part, we're going to now put this into action. So, to, so biblically now, the word remember means to act. And the word to forget means I refuse to act. Not that I have forgotten it. It is that there is an action, but I choose not to do it. So what we find now, that the reason we have hope 
is because God is acting, because God is remembering. Um, in part two, we're gonna, I'll take you through all the scriptures from Genesis all the way through that the people that have broken the mole because of this one word, remember, remember, remember. Now, let's look at it for us right now. Something that you can do this Sunday morning, something that you can do to change the rest of the week, the rest of the year, the rest of your life. And it's, it's, to, it's to do with this word, remember, remember, it's to act. Now, I've been in the ministry, or I started in leadership in 1983, and now it's 2020. One of the things that I've dealt in leadership and with people is condemnation. That people are never ever feel that they are totally accepted. They never feel that they are allowed to be bold before God. That they, they never get to a sense of absolute security that they can trust God. They never get to a point of just getting to the point of going, God, I've sinned, forgive me, and it's all, it's done away with. So what I found, like the Bible says in uh, Romans 8, 1, now there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And yet I was always wondered, why is it after so much teaching, and so much singing, people are still feeling condemned. People are coming to the altar and coming back. I, I, I remember as a, as a teenager, uh, we used to have what they call, you know, we used to call altar calls, where you just go there and make your peace with God. I would go day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and the same thing. I was just reading this week about Martin Luther and, and about before he had the revelation about the forgiveness of God, is that um, in the system that they were in, you had to go to a priest and to be absolved of your sins. And, but he kept, he could never ever find peace, so he kept on going on and on and on. It is said that he wore his priest out. This is what was written about him. That the priest got so sick of it, and he said this, why don't you go and kill your mum and dad? At least you'll have something big to complain about, to get forgiven. He just absolutely worn him out. And now what I'm finding out is that so many Christians are worn out because they don't feel clean, that they feel that I cannot become confident with God? How can I have this expected hope when you look at what I have done? Look at my past. Look what I've done. Look what I haven't done. It's all this condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Now, this is, this is where it gets really, 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 like really, really, really good. In Hebrews 10, 17 says this. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and their weakness. Just, just watch this. This is a promise, and you start to have a look at this now word remember. Now we're looking at this word remember in the context of biblical language, not garden variety language. And he says this, I will never again remember. Condemnation lives on that you, what you have done is going to have to be punished. That all the things that you have done, are, you, are, you are waiting, you have an expecting that God's going to do something for you. Uh, you, you, know, you, must, you might have heard this story before, but it's worth a while commenting. When I was a kid and um, you would sin 
You expected God to punish you for that sin. So I could be out in the garden and I'm playing cricket and I cheat. Or, uh, or I, I, you know, I might have said something to my brother or said something to my mum and dad that wasn't right. Every time I did that, the first thing I would do, I would go, Dear Jesus, please forgive me. And then I would wait for the punishment of that sin. So what would be happening is that um, we didn't have a, 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 an oval at school, so it was gravel. So when we'd be playing sport, you fall over, you would scrape your knees, you would bloody your knees. And I remember when I did that on one of them, that uh, we were playing cricket and I went for a dive and I skidded and I took the skin off my knee. I looked at my knee and you, everybody was looking in horror. I was happy. I'm just going, oh, oh, this is the only punishment I'm getting for what I did. I go off lightly. So everybody's got poor tent. I'm going, no, no, hey, hey, guys, this is really good news. I, I, I'm no longer condemned. I've paid for it. I did something. And because I did something, there's going to be a reciprocal event that's going to punish me for this. But now watch this. Condemnation cannot live when you understand the word remember. This is what it means. That God says this, when I forgive you, I will not act on anything that you have done. Just, just pause for a moment. God says this, remembrance is an action. So when you come to Jesus and you accept the finished work of the cross. When you go, God, forgive me. You might have a past. You, you, you could have got saved at, at 98. You just turned 98 and you got saved. You have got at least 95 years of bad history. And you know what God says? Now that you've given your life to God, I will not act on anything that you have done. Think about this. Condemnation. Satan comes up to you. Look what you've done. How, this is how God looks at you. God's now going to remove his favor from you. God's going to do this because God's going to take an action against what you have done. See, condemnation takes away our boldness. It takes away our confidence. It takes away the expected end. And, and so confidence... The reason I can have confidence before you this morning, the reason you can have confidence here, seeing where you are, is this, is that God will not act on the sins that he has forgiven. Just relax there. Con tell condemnation in the face. Condemnation, you're a liar. God will not punish me. God will has not removed his favor from me. See, this is the beauty of the condemnation lives because he tells you that God still remembers it. God's still going to act. But God says this. What is remembrance? God remembered and he acted. God remembered and he acted. When God forgets, he says, I refuse to have an action. I refuse to have an action. Now, watch this. This is how powerful it is. When you have the thief that was right next to Jesus on the crucifixion. He asked him this question. This is what is amazing. You find this in Luke. He said that one of the thieves said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. And we'll, we'll, we'll do a, little, a lot more of that next week. But what he was saying, God, take action. 
for me. Take action for me. So here is the key for us this morning. Is that this. There is now no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you need to know. You need to have a steadfast. You need to have that whole of hope. That twine of hope. And it says this. God will not act on my past sins. God will not remove his favor because of my past sins. God will not remove this because of what I haven't done. Because that's condemnation, condemnation. God says this to you. God gives you a promise. Hey, this is our promise. This is what he says to you, John. This is what he says to you, Mary. This is what he says to you, Lee. This is what he says to you, Daniel. He says this. You need to now rest in my love because I will not act on all the sins. I will not act on that. So therefore you can have divine confidence. Therefore you can have confidence to believe. Therefore you can have confidence to, to excel. Therefore you can have confidence to ask for what you don't deserve. Why? Because God is not acting on what I've done. And this is the beauty. This is why we can relax. This is why our spirit. Remember this? When God says this, I will not remember. For God took Jesus and he put him on the cross so that the action that was supposed to be on your seat was an action that was put on Jesus. So when God said to Jesus, I'm going to remember all the sins of the people and I'm going to put it on you. And Jesus says, let it be, let it be. And after Jesus died, he looks at you, looks at me. He says, I no longer remember and I no longer take any action on your sins because all the action was already done in Jesus. So here's the key. Condemnation is a liar. Condemnation is a deceiver. Condemnation is a conjurer. A, a condemnation is a smokescreen. It's trying to tell you that God is still thinking about your sin. He's still trying to tell you, look at, he's got, got, you wait, the check's in the mail. You might have said it, but God's bailed you a check and hey, it's not a good check. I am telling you now, all the checks are cancelled, the postman's not coming to you today and it never again is going to come. Why? Because Jesus has made a decision on the cross that he will not take any action on the sins that you have done so that now you are free. Right now, why don't we apply this? Right now, where you are. Right now, why don't you also do the same? Now, I understand this. Now, just, in a, just in the one minute that we have, I want to do this. Is when you know how to, when you believe that God does that, to you, then you can do that to others. If you still believe that God takes action after that, you will still take action after you have forgiven somebody else. This is huge ramification. But today I want to pray for you that every bit of condemnation and thinking is going to go because now when you think, how does God see me? God sees me as pure and clean and undefiled. Let's pray. Father, I just really want to thank you. God, you're amazing. God, you're amazing. God, right in the middle of the book of Lamentation, how you're coming to people that sit in darkness. You're coming to people that sit in sickness. You're coming to people that sit in loss, in grief. And you're telling them, I want to show you a way out. I am the door 
out. I am the door out. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray that every bit of condemnation leave every person. That Father, right now, I can be confident in my worship. I can become confident in my expectation because I know that you will not take any action on my past. That you have not, you have removed my past but you have given me right now a stability and a love and a grace right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, remember us. Father, right now, I want to thank you that because of Jesus, there is no action taken upon our past. There is no action that you have now given us a doorway because we can come confidently to you and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This week... I need you to just do something else. Next week, we're going to, the, the, the word remember. There's another level on the word remember. I need you to do this. Next week, or Sunday morning, I need you to come prepared. And this is what I need you to prepare yourself. Every prophetic word that has been given you, that you felt, I want you to, whether it's on your iPad, whether you can write it down, I want you to bring it with you. If you've done like myself, um, I write in my Bible, when God speaks to me, I will put a date on it. I'm going to bring my Bible. And what we are going to do, I'm going to show you that everything that God has spoken to you will come to you. Everything that God has spoken to you, that means I still dare to hope that what was said, and it's going to be uplifting, it's going to be great. I need you to come prepared with the prophetic words. I need you to become prepared to remember the things that were spoken over you, over your wife, over your family, over your business, over your church. And God's going to do something else because we are getting ready for another level. Hey, God bless you. And I look forward with another dimension of remember God's remembrance. Hey, God bless you. And I am so looking forward to seeing you next week.